Yeah. Uh, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the India Independent Film Podcast, where we talk about films uh, on a range of subjects with a focus on film writing. I am Pankaj. I write on my blog Dichotomy of Irony and also contribute articles on the IF website. Uh, I'm with me Rahul Desai, critic for the Film Companion and writer for a number of other publications. Uh, this is our another podcast where we will talk about. Uh, certain topics such as Ranveer Singh, then we will try to go on to um, some special effects and then finally something about the pitching as a freelancer. Uh, so Rahul, before I begin, the usual question, how hmm. have the last two, three weeks been? <laughs> and what was your yeah. most memorable watch? Uh, yeah, that's always a question I'm willing to answer. The last week actually has been really like it was really difficult because there were three, I mean, I, I think I even tweeted about it. There were like three terrible films. There was a show that I didn't watch also, but which I heard was was not too good. So it last week particularly was one of the worst weeks I've had this year in terms of reviewing, in terms of uh, um, critiquing Hindi films, because none of them had me uh, wanting to really uh, sort of, do justice to my craft as well because they were just they were just bad movies and I, at times you feel a little deflated when you go when you go to the theater like thrice in one week and and you don't get even one redeeming factor in any of the movies so it was particularly bad but then again there have been a, a fair amount of good weeks this year uh, l- last week was also the release of Sabash Mithu which was a Tapse Pannu sports biopic biopic which is your favorite <laughs> your favorite or not favorite genre. <laughs> Uh, you know, as expected, that one was particularly disappointing, and uh, uh, and I remember I, I remember turning to a colleague and saying, you know, I know we used to do this before the pandemic, like watch two films in one day because we had to uh, watch both the screenings on Thursday back to back at the same venue, and I was like, I know we used to do it earlier, and it never used to seem so tiring, but it's particularly exhausting this time because then you also have to go back and spend the whole night sort of trying to figure out how not to rant about these films, how, how to constructively sort of break down what is wrong with these films. A younger version of me might have just ranted about it and gone to sleep that night. But, uh, you know, as I've grown older, even as a critic, I felt like uh, when you can, I feel like constructive criticism is always helpful because when you look back on those reviews, you even it at least shows that you engage with the film no matter how bad it was, even though it's very difficult to do that. So I had a tough time doing that last week, uh, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, but other than that, it's it's been okay. I've been offsetting my Hindi film uh, pain with a lot of a uh, uh, couple of Netflix documentaries that I've been watching in, in the last uh, couple of weeks, which I've been reviewing for another publication. Um, I, I watched one last week that I particularly like called my... Uh, my Daughter's Killer, which is on Netflix. It's another true crime documentary, but the only difference is it's a European, it's a French documentary. It's not the American, standard American tropey sort of Netflix true crime thing. So that was my only uh, shining light last week, uh, uh, unfortunately. I did also watch a bit of Miss Marvel, which I really liked, the series that you know everyone's talking about. I really liked the first few episodes of that series, even though it doesn't really hold up towards the end. So it was my first Marvel experience in a long time i think since spider-man uh, since the last spider-man so yeah it's been a hectic few weeks i've been writing up to seven pieces a week which is taking its toll on me also 
yeah i can imagine it's not easy <laughs> even two is more like even having two three is like very difficult but seven yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane it's, it takes a lot out of you yeah to ask like before i go does it make you hungry like like do you feel hungry like when you write more just the mental uh thing you know um, so you know you have to be careful because it there's a very thin line between feeling hungry and not knowing when to stop right like uh, i mean i'm i've been working weekends for the last 3 or 4 weeks and it's entirely my doing you know i'm i'm reviewing for different publications and my primary publication remains film companion and the hindi reviews yeah. i do for them so there are there is so much out there so you have to pick and choose now you know of course you have to choose the big titles you have to choose a shamshera you have to choose a shabash mitu uh, you can't overlook those ones but you have to be smarter about the smaller titles that you choose to review you know as a review i want to write about everything i want to sort of give equal attention to every release that comes out no matter how big and small but now it's becoming impossible as a professional to do that because of the amount of content on every platform in theaters uh, theaters are you know going crazy there are at least two releases every week so you have to be very careful so that hunger tends to get diminished by the end of the week you know you're like i just need a break i need to not look at the laptop or at a screen for a couple of hours but you know that never happens because i do my own leisure watching to keep sane right i watch miss marvel in the in between i'm i've been watching irma web which is on hotstar uh, a new series also uh, to keep myself sane so that those things are my way of sort of trying to uh, replenish that hunger that i lost in the previous week because it's entirely natural to feel less uh, eager at the end of the, a particularly trying week like last week or if you're writing too much mm-hmm. in a week like i have been it's not healthy i wouldn't recommend it but at times you have to do it to earn the sort of money that you need to to survive in the city as well as to make keep yourself visible you know because if you even disappear for a couple of months from the reviewing circuit uh, there's enough competition for anyone to take a place no matter how good or bad you are and you have to be aware of all these parameters it doesn't mean just because you reach a certain stage in your career you can take it easy you have to in fact work even harder to stay good at your craft and to stay visible uh, I think I've been going a little overboard trying to do that over the last couple of weeks. I've been working towards a vacation maybe later this year, but uh, but you know, uh, my column as I mentioned is the only thing that really um reminds me of why I write. Mm-hmm. You know, because reviews are not something you can choose. That that writing you can't choose. That's your job. That's your 9 to 5 sort of bread and butter thing. And some reviews will be worse than others. You'll not be happy with the writing of certain reviews. but that column is in my control and it is in my control to remind myself that this is the kind of writing i want to do and this is what i'm capable of uh, mm-hmm. and that's where i put a lot of myself into those columns because uh, because it's it's almost like a like a mirage in between like a very dry desert in most weeks and uh, that's why i take great pleasure in writing that column and the day i feel too fatigued to write that i almost force myself to do it because then that will keep me going for the rest of the reviews that week because i feel a very good i feel very good after finishing a column uh, and putting it out there uh, and i can't say i say, feel the same about you know writing a lot of reviews right right okay so let's go into our first topic about ranveer singh uh firstly you know i have a question uh, do you hmm. think his off screen uh, off screen personality is the performance in itself 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the, it was it was going to be a running joke where he's going to add his off-screen uh, persona as one of his <laughs> performances ranked in in the list, uh, which I did. But uh, yeah, I feel I do feel his off-screen persona is a performance. I think he has mentioned it a couple of times in interviews as well. Uh, I don't think he's that person twenty four seven. Nobody is that person twenty four seven. I think he enjoys uh, the fact that he can sort of shock us with his off-screen persona, with his energy off-screen, and then follow it up with an on-screen performance that is at odds with that energy. You know, say something like a gully boy or something like a. Uh, you know, something more muted. Like in comparison, so I I find it very fascinating that his off-screen persona entirely informs our perception of his on-screen talent, right? Because when we see him off-screen, he's all the time on every screen, all you know, on social media as well. We see him everywhere, so we know we we have this particular perception of him, the stereotype of him that he's bouncing off the walls and he's crazy, he's eccentric. Uh, but that I feel is a very smart. Uh, way of also having us react to how he acts on screen. So for him, I feel like it's the reverse. Normally, we see actors on screen all the time, prolific actors, and we see their roles, and we are like, "Wow, that's a that's a good performance." And then we, when we see them off screen, we're like, "Wow, this person is nothing like the characters mm-hmm. he or she plays." And so we get even more, uh, you know, more impressed by this dissonance between both their images, right? So I think Ranveer does the opposite of that. You know, he uses his off-screen persona as his on-screen sort of uh, ubiquity, where he's everywhere, and that is the performance we see. And his on-screen performances, his roles, then become like uh, become almost like surprising to us. We're like, okay, this guy is not one note like he is off the screen all the time. He can actually fit into different characters, like whether it's 83 or whether it's Jayesh by Jodhar. You know, he's never really given a bad performance because we keep expecting him to. Uh, to be like a be like a simba type character in every film but he's actually playing real humans in most films uh, and we think that something like simba comes very naturally to him but i feel like that's an extension of his off screen performance and that might be most difficult for him compared to a lot of others so i find it very interesting it reminds me of that uh, i know very obscure sort of reference here but it reminds me of that uh, little scene in the prestige in christopher nolan's prestige where uh, where, where the Christian Bale character talks about commitment to the craft, to to magic, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. gives an example of the Chinese magician, right? Who who is basically pretending to be this fragile person, fragile sort of character, often who can barely walk. Uh, uh, and then when we uh, and then when we see him on the stage, uh, you know, he's an entirely different, uh, very strong person, and he stuns with his magic just as much as. His uh, people's perception of how frail he is off the stage. I, I thought that was a brilliant analogy, which I feel a lot of good performers tend to use in their everyday life. Because you know, uh, acting is that sort of craft, or performance art is that sort of thing where you never really switch off. You know, everything you do uh, is part of your performance on the screen. Right. So you know, um, so my next question is related to this. What characteristics? What makes him stand out in his performances? You know, is he the next superstar? He and Ranveer, do you think they both are like the best we have right now? I mean, they. I think they are the best mainstream actors we have right now. There are no doubt better uh, actors in the country. You know, the Pankaj Chipatis and the Nawazes of the world. Mm-hmm. But as far as mainstream lead acting 
concerned, uh, you know, Arsenal image of the hero. I think these two are right up there. And I think Ranveer slightly ahead. I think Ranveer hasn't. I mean, the next year for Ranveer, we'll see where he where he's at. But but you know, I don't think we live in a superstar era anymore. I don't think there will be another superstar after Shahrukh Khan and Amir Khan and Salman Khan, the Khans. Uh, uh, you know, Rithik came very close, but I don't think he's a superstar anymore. He's a star. He's a he's actually uh, you know uh, he's actually a decent actor as well. Uh, so that entire era of superstar, where where your superstardom was a result of your lack of accessibility towards the person, towards the towards the image and the legacy, uh, that's gone because with social media and internet, there's no lack of accessibility. With promotions, there's no there's no you know there's no uh, power to be elusive anymore and that superstardom was a part of you know being elusive as well and being larger than life nobody is larger than life anymore except the three khans who still somehow maintain that old school aura but even i feel like their power has faded in the last four or five years uh, so i don't think anyone can be a superstar anymore but as far as uh, you know stars are concerned and you know the best mainstream actors in our country i feel like ranveer is right up there because uh, He's gone through the first phase of his career, the first decade of his career, basically, uh, like most good actors do, like Ranbir did, like Shah Rukh did in the 90s. He's gone through this first phase, uh, trying to be as versatile as he could and trying to do as many kind of roles as he could and as many ca- kind of characters as he could. Because even I mentioned in while writing that none of Ranbir Singh's characters can actually meet in a room and have a proper conversation. If you think about it, they are very different characters. They're a historicals there are pe- there are you know people from bombay people from delhi uh, none of them would relate to each other and i like the fact that uh, he's willing to try almost everything and not and is not entirely a slave to this pursuit of stardom and superstardom and fame uh, I-, I like that his craft still is uh, you know is still something that excites him and he keeps trying new things and and you know i did tend i did feel a little that he's after these two last flops, like 83 and uh, Jayesh Bhai Jodhar, I did feel like he's sounding a little uh, jaded, like say Ranbir Kapoor might have felt after Jagga Jasus. I feel like Ranbir Singh might also now enter the phase where he's only going to do more films like Simba, more masala entertainers, more out-and-out commercial sort of box office uh, uh, sort of blockbusters uh, compared to what he was doing earlier. But I do feel like this phase that we've seen that has passed... uh, has seen Ranveer Singh be more uh, more willing to to sort of put himself out there than any other actor I know in the country, and uh, uh, and that and you know he's grown up on me as well. I wasn't a big fan of him till till I think uh, as recent as Bajira Mastani or as recent as even uh, you know a few films after that because I've uh, in fact Padmavat if I'd have to really uh, specify a film because I always thought he was there but I always thought that you know he's uh, sort of second or third best or he's always sort of uh, uh, you know an extension of his off screen persona but you know he really proved his uh, he really proved his sort of metal with with films like gully boy and with films like uh, with with all the bansali films because there's there's a hunger in him that i hope is never extinguished because that hunger is what makes him uh, be the actor that he is and you know he's not afraid to fail the problem is he has failed a couple of times in the last few films, and I hope that doesn't change. Hmm. Right. Uh, so those who don't know, we sort of refer referenced uh, Rahul's piece. He'd written on uh, the he ranked the performance of Ranbir uh, 
Ranveer Singh, sorry. So we were talking about that. So I'll have a question on that. You know, you mentioned about Band Baja Bara. So there was this one particular line which I found was very interesting and you didn't like. Uh, what crept up on me was Singh's unique reading of North Indian masculinity, his ability to influence scenes that don't involve him. And conversely, his willingness to see the stage in scenes that do. Can you elaborate on this bit and which scenes uh, from Band Baja Bara you felt like this? Yeah, so so for me, like, obviously, you know, the ability of an actor to sort of be present throughout the film, even though they are not in every frame, is very important. And Ranveer Singh does have that energy about him. You know, you always feel like his character is influencing the scenes that are not, that don't involve him. But, uh, you know, as for particular scenes in this film, see, for, for me, this film was about Anushka Sharma's character. It wasn't so much about Ranveer Singh's character. And Anushka Sharma was also an established star by then. Like, she has a few films yeah. old and all. So she had more, uh, you know, she was the draw in the film and her character too was the more interesting part of the film. Because if you look at it one way, uh, if you take out the love story, it's really a coming of a journey of an of a female entrepreneur in Delhi and someone who's going against the grain, going against tradition to make something of herself. Uh, Ranveer Singh's character is almost like, you know, cosmetic to that entire thing. And, and I feel like a lot of scenes in which I saw uh, Anushka Sharma's character uh, losing her shit and you know being impatient with the people she's working around. Uh, 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 I felt a lot of that stemmed from uh, the character of Ranveer Singh and the influence that he had uh, in in you know in the their arc together. And I felt like I could I could feel him present in most scenes even though he wasn't around because uh, even after they have that. Uh, fight that they do and uh, yeah. after that she tells him off and after she sees that he's resisting her advances or he doesn't want to be with her um, I, I felt like a lot of scenes didn't involve Ranveer Singh after that but it never felt that way like if you look back you'll still look at it as a love story as an as a story of equals of a story of like uh, incompatible partners who find a middle ground um, and in, in that sense it reminded me a li little of Wake Up Sid you know a couple mm -hmm. of years before that Ranbir, you know, the dynamics were the same, right? The female and the male dynamics because one, the male is trying to grow up and the female is already grown up and has great ambition in her uh, to, you know, to to do something, to make something of her life. And uh, in any, in, in, in a real world, the male would always pull the, pull the female down. But here we are watching films in which they are finding middle ground and sort of almost compromising on their ideals to be with the other person. Uh, one is improving as a person, one is sort of reaching middle ground. So I, I thought Band Baja Bharat did that particularly well, as good as Wake Up Sid. And, uh, you know, my one of my favorite scenes in Band Baja Bharat was the scene in which they actually kiss, uh, uh, you know, after celebrating their first client and dancing together. Mm -hmm. You know, the music was it beautifully crafted. It's, it's one of the best on-screen kisses I've seen in Hindi cinema for the longest time. And I feel like that kiss uh, really sort of defined uh, what I call, what I wrote here because uh, because after that, I, I felt like any other scene, I was seeing Anushka Sharma in, uh, in an old school Bollywood movie, you would have seen Anushka Sharma seeing visions of mm. uh, of Ranveer Singh, you know, in a Yashraj movie, in a typical right. Yashraj movie where Yash Chopra directs it, you'd see visions of him like playing the fool or uh, getting annoyed and you know you, you see so many Shah Rukh Khan movies like that and Dil To Pagale and others but but here you're actually feeling 
his presence without seeing those visions, without resorting to that crutch. So that's why I feel like even Yashraj, for Yashraj, it was a, it was sort of a, almost transition into a new era with a film like Band Bajabara. Right, right. And he's very good there. And, you know, he's this small, small mannerisms, like Binness, Binness, you know, how he yeah, speaks, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, he's actually, like, you know, somebody who's lived that experience. Uh, so he's very good in that film, and especially in his first film. So, yeah. Uh, okay. And then, you know, like, you also mentioned this, like, SLB, Sanjay Leela Bansali is very good with women characters, you know, like at least he tries to be in terms of, you know, very dominating women, very powerful women. And do you think Ranveer is the perfect SLB hero? That's a very good point. I think he is because exactly because of why you mentioned, because, you know, he's, he's sort of not exactly your alpha male Bollywood hero that you've been seeing all this while. Uh, uh, he has a very different take on Indian masculinity, as I mentioned, and and that is almost a sort of um, a kind of masculinity that, as I wrote, is willing to cede the stage to uh, not just other characters in terms of screen time, but other characters in terms of significance and and spirituality as well. And I, I feel like Ranveer Singh is um, is a great Bansali hero for exactly that reason. Of course, he has the energy, he has the lavishness about him that he can pull off this this larger-than-life sort of uh, canvas that Bansali is so famous for. But he also has the ability uh, to seed ground to the female characters who are mostly very well-written in Bansali movies, who are mostly very strong, and they are the centerpiece. Like Priyanka Chopra's character in Bajira was the centerpiece of that film. And, you know, and it's the same for for him in other films as well. You know, in Gully Boy, for me, he wasn't the best actor in that film. You know, there were so many uh, other characters uh, that it could have been about. It's just that the camera was on him. That was the only difference. Others, the others were going through their own films. And it's the same for Kashi in Bajirao Mastani. It's the same for uh, Deepika Padukone's character, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in Padmavat as well. Uh, and so I, I think that's exactly what makes him such a, such a different kind of viable Bansali hero where he doesn't need to be in every frame, but he has that... Um, he, he, in a, in his own different way. I'm not counting Padmavat because he plays an all-out villain in that, but he has that sort of ability to convince you uh, that men can be like this as well without really, uh, without us really losing any kind of honor or respect for them. Hmm. And then, you know, there is this uh, contrast with Zoya Akhtar who's used him in very quiet very yeah. uh, like <laughs> subdued, not subdued, but very, you know, understated, like uh, burning roles. Like, you know, like he's has yeah. that anger from inside, both Dil Dharakne Do or uh, mm. like uh, Gully Boy. Uh, I know you ranked the Zoya Akhtar once yeah. better. So do you, like, do you think he's better at these roles as compared to the SLB one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I it's just, just I your prefer personal him, favorites. You can elaborate. Yeah, I, I just prefer him personally because uh, because as I said, you know that sort of restrained, muted Ranveer Singh that we see in those films. Uh, for me, I relate closer to them because they are mostly defined by fathers and relationships, right? In both those hmm. films, uh, right. uh, that's the driving force, right? Like he's he's is sort of trying to uh, break out of a, almost a toxic father's influence, and and you know for a lot of us that family equation is more relatable, you know, for a lot of us Indian watchers, uh, a lot of us who've sort of grown up through the years. Um, for me, that's why, that's where his off-screen persona plays such a 
important role because he's nothing like the characters he plays in Dil Dhadakne Do and Gully Boy. Uh, and both uh, from different classes, different levels of privilege and backgrounds, yet both very similar in their battles against their families to prove themselves to sort of break out of the hypocrisy of their surroundings. Uh, uh, both doing it in their own ways. Like both of them have such phenomenal scenes with their fathers. Uh, uh, you know, in Gully Boy, he, he has that monologue towards his father when mm-hmm. his father, uh, when he takes his mother to live with him, which is wonderfully performed. And the same in Dil Dadaknado, when he stands up to his family saying, all of you are hypocrites when in the medical room, which I even wrote about, mm-hmm. uh, when his father has a heart attack, a heart scare or whatever. Uh, I feel like he does those things really well and, and our reaction to them is derived entirely because of how we perceive him uh, to be in real life because we think he's nothing like that, his energy is nothing like that and Zoya Akhtar also gets that and she understands that and I feel like she uses it, she uses him and his she weaponizes that off-screen persona better than most people uh, and just casting him as a son in both films uh, who becomes his own person towards the end, one through love, uh, the second through a career I feel like that uh, that's an that's a sort of masterclass in casting uh, you know a mainstream hero because in Dil Dadakne though he was one of the supporting characters and and in Gully Boy technically in my head he was a supporting character even though uh, you know the film is about him uh, so yeah my favorite my personal favorite are the Zoe Akhtar characters I hope he does more Zoe Akhtar films because the others I feel like obviously he is front and center and you know there are different kinds of scale and performances and pitches but uh, i feel like the zoyakter ones makes make him think the most as an actor and as a person right right i don't even know what is his next film coming i think there is some rohit shetty film coming circus or whatever yeah, not i don't remember <laughs> he did say that he wants to do more roles like that which is a little worrying even though i yeah. didn't mind, i really liked him in simba but mm. but you know uh, once you sort of taste a certain kind of success with those roles, there's no turning back. Right, right. You mentioned, you know, he hasn't given a bad performance. But do you think there are some uh, weaknesses in his, you know, not everybody can do everything great. So have you seen something in his that, you know, he's he's not really good at those things? I actually haven't seen too many weaknesses in him because, you know, he's also smartly chosen the kind of roles that uh, Four Francis trains. And, uh, you know, sort of, uh, it sort of reveals his ability to want to uh, try new things and to want to experiment quite a bit as far as acting is concerned. And I have no doubt that he's a very serious actor with his very, with a serious method of his own because even he's mentioned that he's a totally different person on the set. There's no fooling around. Uh, There's a lot of... uh, there's a lot of trust and faith in his craft, uh, which is why I, I even mentioned that I don't think there's been a bad performance of his, even in films like Kill Dil and, you know, Gunde and, and Ladies vs. Ricky Bell, because you always sense like he's he's uh, he's revealing a new part of his armor of, or his personality with every role. And that is, there's an honesty to that, you know, uh, bad performances come from a dishonesty, you know, from either filmmaker or an actor, or it comes from compromise. I don't think Ranveer Singh has compromised. He's been trying different things, trying to be different kind of heroes, trying to be different kind of Indian men. Uh, uh, and that for me, even Jayesh Bhai Jordar, you know, I quite quite liked him in that because, again, he played a very different kind of man in that. There was no heroism to him. Uh, that There was no braveness about him. He had no spine in that film. Uh, and that for me is very impressive. Like, I don't think there's a weakness in that sense. Uh, 
uh, I, I just think that sometimes he might tend to get larger than the film he's in. Uh, and that can, like like with most of our stars, like Shah Rukh Khan, it's been a problem yeah. with him for the longest time. Uh, Ranbir Kapoor, that has that might be a problem with him in the future. Uh, same with Ranbir Singh, you know, because he's been a Bansali hero and all, maybe that pitch and that canvas uh, needs to sort of um, be very calibrated very carefully, which is why it's very impressive that he did Gully Boy just after a Bansali film, because it's so different and so difficult to sort of... Uh, you know, play the kind of character that 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 is so uh, that really the film isn't about. But you know, it is just uh, uh, it is just almost incidental that the camera is on you, and that I appreciate that about him. And and that's why the more I was thinking about him while writing the piece, the more I was realizing that so far I don't think uh, I've seen any glaring weakness in him. Mm. And uh, how do you like Khilji? And do you think any other actor, or who, if it not Ranvi, who would have been, who could have played Khilji? I very much enjoyed Khilji as you know as a character and and as a performance because uh, I felt like Ranveer wasn't trying too hard to be part of that era and part of that age, uh, mm-hmm. part of the entire period setting. I think he brought a lot of contemporary nuances into that villain performance because you know we've not had good villains for like 20 30 years now since since the old school villains sort of passed on and and it's very difficult now to have that those sort of very one note evil villains you know there's always a grayness to the villains these days there's always a humanity to the villains these days uh, which is which tends to be which is nice to watch of course but sometimes it's a nice change to see the old school villainy and i i feel like ranveer singh did it very well because he made us he didn't disappear or get immersed in that role. He also made it seem like we are watching like an urban actor really play, really enjoy himself, play a, a, a character from a period he has no idea about. And he was just really throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. He was going with the flow and you felt like he was just bringing uh, little ticks to that character that we would see a 21st century, uh, you know, a 21st century villain play as well. And I, I like that because, you know, that sort of almost broke the fourth wall for me. And it felt like he was almost winking at us saying, you know, this is how we, this is how villains can be played these days by enjoying them. And you, you, you'll enjoy watching someone like Hilji because the character himself is not very well written. You know, it's a very one note sort of monotonous pitch. But, yeah. uh, but I, I felt like no other actor could have done that, you know, got that metaness to the role. Uh, I felt like Saifali Khan tried fairly well with Tanaji and I felt like he's the actor who can come closest to it because he's done it with a Vishal Badwaj film mm-hmm. as well before that. So with Omkara. So I feel like only certain kind of actors can do that at certain phases in their career. I feel like Ranveer Singh was at the right time, at the right junction in his career to do that role. Maybe two or three years down the line he wouldn't be able to have done that. Mm. Right. Uh, my next question was going to be, you know, about your favorite scene from Garibar, but since you already mentioned about that drink, I'll ask, what's your favorite scene of of him from Lutera? Oh, right, from Lutera. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Lutera, they've been, I mean, Lutera, I rewatched like just a couple of months ago again, which I liked after a while. I didn't like it when it came out because I, I just, I wasn't in the space, I guess. But I, I did like the end of Lutera quite a bit because, you know, for the for me, that 
end sort of really tied into what I saw at the end of even Bajirao Mastani because the way it's not easy to end a film uh, with the hero sort of uh, with the camera with the hero's actions entirely defining the end of the film. Uh, no words as such, but him like being killed or dying, uh, uh, then revealing his character in hindsight. I really enjoyed his physical performance towards the end of the film because there are some beautiful moments in Lotera. Uh, there are a lot of uh, little, lovely little moments in the love story between both of them, uh, you know, which, which I really uh, thought were very well crafted and well performed, both of them, in fact. But that physical performance towards the end of the film, the desperation we saw in his character, uh, him fighting internally against his, uh, his, his sort of instincts as a sort of con man, but, and then... Uh, pitting it against a love, uh, the lover in him. I, I felt like that last five or ten minutes where we see him like sort of leave the house, then get shot, then sort of then we see her seeing the leaf. I thought that was for me my favorite sort of Ranveer Singh moment in the film. Of course, there were others also. There was a chase where Vikran Masse gets shot, mm-hmm. and and you know Ranveer Singh's reaction in that was was very well done. You know, you tend to overlook these moments because we see it very often in Hindi cinema, but I felt like. Uh, uh, he did it very well when he found out that his friend was sort of dying in his arms or dead in his arms. Uh, it's one of those things which we take for granted, but only performers like uh, him sort of bring it into the focus. I'm, mm. I'm keen to know your favorite moment in Lutera. Oh, <laughs> my favorite moment. You know, I love that film so much. I can, you know, watch it anytime yeah, when I'm uh, randomly uh, don't feel like watching any film. So I'll just pick up three, four films which I have in my list. Lutera is there. Uh, I think my favorite scene is their whole, uh, uh, you know, that uh, like the, where he comes, uh, where Paki comes to his room and they both, you know, talk about this story that, uh, you know, yeah. ek ladka hai, ek ladki hai, and then they all sit together in that, it's surrounded by that uh, net, like, you know, yeah. yeah. So I really like that moment. And then in the end, uh, I must like it's not a Ranveer Singh moment, but I love that letter writing that Paki writes. You know, it's a very beautiful letter. You know, right. why did you come back? And why did I men went to me? Wapas aani kyun diya? Patani, I like right. love that letter whole like whole bit. I mean, again, you see, it's the point you mentioned that it's talking about him, and he's not, not yeah. present in that scene, but it's so beautiful, yeah. like, you just keep thinking about him, and then she knows yeah, that yeah, he'll yeah. come back someday, so that's why she goes and lives right. in um, Dalhousie, or I forgot the exact name of the place, but... Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm. we spoke a lot about Anvir, uh, now I have my next topic is, you know, something about special effects, or VFX, mm. Uh, that we tend to call these days. Did you like trailer of Brahmastra? Or have you seen no. it? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. Uh, there's no escaping the trailer. Uh, no, I, I didn't like the trailer um, a lot or at all, actually. But uh, again, you know, I, I don't want to... I'll reserve my judgment for the actual mm-hmm. film. But the trailer did not look, you know, like very promising. The special effects were... Uh, yeah, it reminded me of the worst of Marvel films, you know, the climaxes that you see in Marvel films where there's just a bombardment of visual effects and the the, the makers hope that you'll get lost in it and just get blown away by it. Uh, Brahmastra's, uh, you know, until I see it on a big screen in as part of context, uh, it's difficult to judge. But I, from whatever little we have seen so far, 
it's a little worrying you know especially the visual effects and because we've been seeing this uh, a lot of indian filmmakers <clears throat> need to also remember that we this generation of movie goers have been sort of exposed to all these superhero films and all the fantasy epics and all these uh, all the uh, all these uh, productions from hollywood and from the west and as well as this is a post uh, bahubali era this is a rajamouli era as well so there's always going to be a yardstick so in our heads when we say that the visual effects i saw in that trailer aren't good we are subconsciously comparing it to what we've seen in rrr or bahubali mm-hmm. or the last marvel film or or say you know any other special any other special effects heavy film that we've seen recently uh, and that that scale is always going to be there and uh, it didn't look it didn't look good and you know even the premise looked fairly straightforward like your sort of world building looked fairly straightforward i hope to be proven wrong but you know uh, visual effects in hindi cinema have always been sort of difficult i i kind of like the visual effects in in ravan you know um, which was like 10 or 11 years ago and it was sort of a turning point in terms of uh, visual effects for mainstream bollywood films because a lot of them used to struggle till then i think it was rachel's only but uh, there were particular scenes in that film that were really world class like the train the local trains bombay sequence the chase through the streets i thought they were really well choreographed and very this the vfx the the you know the imagery was really well done and well sort of uh, produced and uh, but you know since then we haven't made a lot of films that have uh, or, or that even merit the, the visual effects but this is going to be uh, quite this is going to be quite a litmus test in that sense and i'm not very optimistic about it mm-hmm. uh, interesting you covered like next two three questions of mine already but so i'll still ask uh, huh. you know so like in general what's the biggest problem with the yeah, especially <clears throat> hindi films not doing special <clears throat> effects well like is it the problem you know budget or uh like not convinced of their world building what do you think why it's not good yeah so i mean first of all it's a very derivative phase in hindi cinema we are going through right like a lot of it is derived from what we see in the west or in the south of india itself uh i i feel like it's not so much budget because if you look at a lot of these marvel films and a lot of these films from the west the entire visual effects section the entirely indians who are working in bombay and bangalore or it's outsourced right all the visual uh, all the visual effects of these films these big uh, thor kind of productions and these uh, uh, superhero movies that we see are all outsourced to indians and the indians are the best at uh, 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 they are very well known for uh, sort of their visual effects prowess for uh, sort of doing uh, well in this particular aspect of uh, of the industry uh, so it's a little surprising that hindi cinema hasn't really pulled on that i don't think it's so much a budget thing it's more of a imagination thing uh, also uh, it's also about conceiving that kind of scale and context to make the visual effects first of all look justified second of all look good uh, and i don't think we've done that we don't think on those that kind of scale our thinking on that kind of scale is mainly bansali sort of conceiving these right. war sequences right uh, apart from war sequences i don't think we ever use visual effects and even the war sequences are fairly iffy if you look at the long shots and if you look at the sky and it looks fairly artificial most of the time there's a, a color tone there's there's always like some sort of superficiality about these scenes so i don't think we think beyond that we don't think in terms of fantasy we we don't think in terms of uh, uh, that kind of scale so i guess it 
it's a bunch of it's a combination of factors and i think brahmastra in that sense it's good that it exists because it's the first sort of all out fantasy epic that we've dared to make in hindi cinema uh and no matter how many how many years it's taken it had to be done somebody had to do it like because because otherwise we'll just be in the shadow of every other film industry in the world and just talking about why we aren't doing enough in terms of visual effects in terms of imagination or in terms of audacity for that matter uh so yeah i mean it it, it is sort of a, a very interesting few months ahead uh but you know it, it can go it can go wrong very easily right right uh you know i was making a list of uh, you know just going back to you know non war sequences uh, like special sequences and the earliest that came to my mind was you know raju chacha <laughs> uh that oh, yeah. had done some special yeah. i don't remember that film but somehow that film came to my mind you know raju chacha even fan if you think about it it's done mm. very good and of yeah. course ravan ravan was like good like the vfx yeah. was pretty good uh yeah. so uh any other films i know you mentioned ravan any other indian films that did well uh i mean indian films to obviously a lot of films from the south have really done very well i i loved rrr's visual effects uh because they don't try to look authentic right they just try to blow your mind and that is a great thing to aspire to you know not like trying to be uh, what is authentic visual effects anyway they i mean how can imagination look authentic so right. they just go all out right and bahubali did the same thing as well and bahubali did it so well in terms of the world building it was doing in terms of the original narrative so that originality is lacking in hindi cinema which is why i feel like even we are struggling to really think of uh, films that have done visual effects well as well but i mean having said that you know we also overlook the fact that visual effects are also used in normal frames as well yeah. like in in backdrops in 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 for example a characters in a car the environment is entirely visual effects most of the time or when people are looking overlooking the city from a balcony those are visual effects as well so those things we overlook like i'm not even talking about i'm talking about more hardcore visual right. effects where the audience can actually see it uh but you know i i felt like um, sort of jagga jasus did a good job of sort of merging visual effects with fantasy with you know this eccentric sort of visual style uh i, I felt like anurag basu is always pushing the envelope in terms of that you know in terms of a particular genre of storytelling it's not exactly a all out epic fantasy storytelling but it's a musical and there is a fair bit of visual effects in that there's a fair bit of post production in that uh i, I feel I, i like that kind of vision i felt like uh, uh you know uh, films like uh, loop lapeta and ludo which have such a distinct mm-hmm. visual style they also do visual effects pretty well you know they don't go overboard with it but they do a fair bit of sort of winking at the viewer and saying look at what we are doing uh, uh you know we, we know what that it looks sort of fake but that's the entire intention of doing it so yeah i mean we are behind the curve but that's entirely down to the sort of films also we make right Do you personally like watching films in 3D? No, no, I do not. <laughs> I, I mean, without being a purist or anything, it's nothing to do with purism. I just, it's just inconvenient. I cannot wear those glasses, and then uh, most of it is post-produced pre, uh, 3D. You know, none of it is actually. Uh, very few of it is uh, these movies actually shot with you know in 3D format. So uh, the same way, very few movies are shot in IMAX format. and they are post produced 3d which looks even worse so all these marvel movies these superhero movies where you enter with your glasses and all that's a very traditional old school dated way of imagining how movies should look 
uh, that it should be the entire experience i am not a big fan especially because of what it does to the light in a frame and the the darkness that it brings into a frame is in, it's insane because what what how a frame is actually lit compared to how we actually see it if you take off your 3d glasses in the middle even though it's all blurry you'll see the light increase like they have lit it with floodlights just to make it look like a darker room uh, so you know it's not good uh, in that sense in the in sense of visual tone and narrative tone uh, it doesn't have a good effect on our head also so until it's actually absolutely needed i don't think it should be done like where in it's sort of children's films and all i can still buy it you know i can that's where 3d should be used because that is a, the medium justifies it you're sort of talking to an audience that would be uh, fascinated and invigorated by the by 3d by as a medium as a format and uh, i remember watching if i'm not mistaken i watched yugo um, i think yugo was in 3d i'm not sure though uh, but you know sort of that genre of filmmaking i wouldn't mind seeing in 3d but i can't stand these superhero films and action films uh, being made in 3d because they dilute our entire viewing experience yeah absolutely i asked because i hate watching <laughs> 3d like i would yeah, rather no. watch a normal film you know you can't focus on what the story is happening because your eyes feels yeah. i feel this strain and of course i wear spectacles so it's like very oh yeah that's a complicated uh, <laughs> like give me normal film but yeah okay and then any films that you know that had uh, unintentionally hilarious special effects i i think you recently saw raksha kavas i don't know if it had uh, special effects <laughs> but anything that comes to your mind and there could be thousands here <laughs> i mean a lot of uh, yeah there could be thousands a lot of tiger shroff movies have like really weird special effects because you know of course tiger shroff is so fluid as an action star mm-hmm. and this and that, but but some of the scenes are just choreographed with such uh they with such a lack of self awareness they don't know if they want to tickle the viewer or impress the viewer uh and a lot of the tiger shroff action movies i'll put into that uh I, i i feel like a lot of movies that stick to like like nolan sort of sticks to the manual way of doing action sequences or or shooting action sequences like war i felt like did it very well for uh, for us also with rithik and tiger in that film i felt like the action sequences were very uh, more visceral compared to a lot of other films where they feel like cars flying or like uh, mm-hmm. or, or sort of things flying in the air or in the underwater are uh, are a sort of advertisement of visual effects or uh, mastery of visual effects so yeah the unintentional sort of examples you come across so often this rashtra kavaj yeah. or another sort of action film war film Uh, you tend to see it quite often i saw it in um, the recent akshay kumar film the historical um prithviraj mm. prithviraj uh, had a very bad special effects like in fact it was so unintentionally bad we started laughing also in the theater because there were parts where you could make out that akshay kumar is actually not riding a horse and this his face has been superimposed upon a guy who's riding a horse and that is just that is nursery school mistakes you cannot do that in 2022 like the body isn't moving but the face is like not looking part of the body while riding because of course he's not going to ride an actual horse uh, so basic things like that where you get your characters to ride a horse in an action sequence how can you go wrong with that or ride an elephant in an action sequence that's why you know i feel like people like bansali really are sticklers for craft in such a way that they make sure these details are taken care of things we take for granted we don't we don't expect these things to look real because they are going to be over the top but 
at least the basic thing you can do is make it look like it's not like put together on say like on paint shop or something mm. uh, and that's what a lot of these uh, filmmakers tend to do yeah so that prithviraj was the most recent example of terrible vfx and you know hilarious at the same time hmm you know when i was making my notes i re- remembered of course it's a very tiny moment though i don't know if you remember like there was jab we met you know in which that uh, when geeta uh, yeah it was like they just put that, that was very bad in, like i remember that the burning, in burning train they did it right like in the end yeah. uh, the burning train yeah. movie they put like those toy trains i could understand in the 70s and 60s but yeah. like, this looks so funny they put like a little toy train uh, it, so it was it did look hard yeah, yeah. Okay, so now let me come to our next uh, subject, which is more like on freelancing. So mm-hmm. this is just generic tips, uh, Rahul. That you know, if anybody who's interested to you know become a freelance writer or just a writer, how to begin. So, uh, firstly, like, is there any list uh, or any source to find these publications who have open positions or any contact details mm-hmm. you look at, or is just more? twitter social network that's it see it, uh, it's a combination of a lot of thing i feel like there's a lot of social network uh, involved now like where if you put it out on twitter for example you will get a lot of responses there's no doubt about that uh, um, but i think there are groups there are in fact whatsapp groups there are excel documents there are google docs uh, that actually have a list of publications and their rates you know that they pay per word or per article uh, that are very useful for freelancers i have personally never accessed it so i i can't really speak to how useful it is but i feel like for a lot of beginners or for a lot of people willing to get into the line uh, of course there are always writers like us who are also accessible to ask questions to because i do have a lot of freelancers come up to me saying how do we start and what do we ask for how much do we ask for so i i see that and uh, but again but i'm not very aware uh myself of the rates because i'm in my own little bubble mm. and for me it's worked the reverse way because uh, i get a lot of um, um, freelance work after working a lot you know for particular publication so your reputation sort of precedes you after a while so you get work without really pitching uh but 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 for a lot of people who do need to pitch and uh, there are spe- there are specific groups and documents that exist there are also uh, also editors are very open like in fact or senior writers are also very open to giving email addresses of editors or people you should pitch to within publications for a lot of junior writers or for a lot of writers who are starting out so i don't think there's a dearth in that mm-hmm. sense of resources because earlier it used to be a little more difficult you know who to write to how to reach out to a particular website do we write to info@soandso.com yeah. uh, to pitch our article but now it's you know it's far more streamlined and with social media with twitter especially i've got most of my work on twitter all my jobs have come from twitter uh, so uh, you know with with those things you should i think a lot of writers should freelance writers should make use of it and put themselves on twitter without worrying about how it may look and and straight away reach out to people and writers and publications dm the right people uh uh and and you know and hope for the best then mm right and then you know like uh you write this specific column separate from the reviews so um how do these is a very general question or very you know non clear answer might be but how do you generate these ideas to the editor mm. 
like that you want to write on this is it more combination is it more what your stage of life you're in just to combine that yeah so for me uh, fortunately for me what's happened is that i've technically been writing versions of this column since 2015 right. i started with hindu then went on to first post and now i'm in news night um, so this column luckily i've been in a position where i've never had to pitch my ideas to the editor the editor hires you to write a column about a theme like it could be a personal theme how movies and life combine or you could just write anything you want like there has to be a trust in the writer that you're writing whoever you are uh, hiring to write this column or you're sort of giving this column to will come up with something worthwhile every two weeks for me it's a fortnightly column because i can't come up with something every week it's impossible mm-hmm. and even fortnightly it's really pushing it most times so for me it's just about me coming up with ideas writing it and sending it to the editor uh, it's not about pitching the column to the editor before uh, getting it published it's just the theme that i pitched uh, very early on and as soon as the theme of the column was uh, okayed after that i could write anything i wanted to as long as you know i'm sticking to the general theme so um, i don't think it's the same for everyone but again if for people who want to pitch one off columns to publications they have to write a specific concept note a paragraph about what their idea is and what they have in mind see i am not very good at that because i discover my idea while i'm writing it sometimes so if someone asks me to pitch to them i'll be like i don't even know what i'm going to write so how can i pitch it until i write the first paragraph i don't know it it sounds idealistic but <clears throat> uh, luckily i have the power to do that and sort of uh, really figure out my own mind before you know writing a column but uh, yeah for uh, i mean if you're in a position uh, because i've written reviews for so long uh, <clears throat> i have the ability to pitch a column to someone and then write about whatever i want it doesn't have to be pegged to recent releases it doesn't have to be pegged to particular films uh, i i can just as long as i sort of uh, somehow pivot my life onto it or find a way to sort of relate movies to my life it it sort of works mm. and uh, you know with this covid and pandemic um has the media you know and the film writing has it become more challenging for new writers uh to um, come in it just yeah, I mean, during, your perspective yeah during the first year of the pandemic when everyone was figuring out there were pay cuts everywhere there were layoffs everywhere uh, 2020 to 21 mid 20 till mid 21 or so uh it was a tough time for a lot of writers especially freelance writers because most publications had stopped taking pitches they had stopped commissioning freelancers and paying paying uh money to outside writers they they were only trying to keep their in-house writers and trying to get the work done from them uh and it did go through a bleak phase like most other industries did uh, journalism went through quite a challenging phase and i feel like it's back up now like there's there's a there's a renewed sort of vigor there are but the problem is and this has always been a problem in film writing ever since i've been around there's a very limited number of publications where you can write for right like now yeah. newspapers are almost out of the circle uh, because you know they are barely sort of uh, surviving uh, and as far as online publications are concerned there's a regular bunch of spots that keeps getting filled and uh, especially for film critics especially for people who want to write film columns and write about films uh, it's the same bunch of publications you have to do the circles around so when news nine came it's it's the most it's the newest publication so a lot of writers sort of pitched to them and got their columns sort of commissioned there are have been writing for news nine a lot of writers write for first post uh, uh, you know it's so it's the same sort of so you have to be really 
uh, on the lookout for and there's a lot more competition now because of that because you know you have to pitch a, a list of reviews you're going to do one say 15 days earlier than you're actually going to do it so uh, so yeah so in that sense uh, you have to be more aware of what's out there and you have to uh, and you have to make sure that you don't sort of miss a beat in that sense and because there's a limited number of publications it's a little difficult and it's a little hectic and frantic uh, i hope more publish publications sort of come out so that you know people have more choices but uh, there haven't been too many online publications in the last 5 or 6 years mm right okay and my you know last question for today you know you wrote this column uh, the currency of incomplete dreams uh, does it get easier there's days of regret sometimes choosing this career um there are days of regret obviously because you know a lot of your friends you grew up with uh, are financially far well off than you are you do you can't do the same things they do right like you can't do go on the same vacations with them because you know uh, it is it is what it is like they go to fancier places than you can afford uh, they go to fancier restaurants than you can afford so you have to i mean you have to make peace with that like as long and it's difficult to make peace with i'm not going to lie saying oh at age 35 or 36 it's easier now uh, it's always been a little more difficult when i see my friends sort of traveling the world and not worrying about money as such just taking their breaks in between their very high paying jobs uh but you know i don't regret sort of making the choice i did because the sort of uh, the sort of validation or the sort of satisfaction i get after finishing a, writing a, an article writing a column a review is is something i can't trade uh, it's something that makes me feel sort of alive i can't imagine a week without writing or creating something out of thin air i think that holds true for a lot of creators in every form of art and med- or every medium of art uh so yeah the answer may sound cliched but it is like that and it does not get easier and for people who can't make peace with it they will pivot to the film industry like a lot of journalists do they join production houses and i do not absolutely do not judge or uh, or you know scrutinize them for that because everyone wants to live a better life and in a city like bombay it's far more difficult with the inflation currently yeah. with the kind of rates that exist here so you have to make certain compromises and at some point you have to stretch your self that is why i'm writing so much yeah. every week now so that i don't want to quit the line and go into another line to just make sure i survive that self defeating so i'm trying to operate within the shackles of journalism and you know stretch myself as a writer to survive in this industry and it's difficult it never gets easier it may probably get harder as you know as time mm-hmm. goes on because the rates aren't so good you don't get paid as much per article as in the west you get paid five more five times more there you can survive on that job and on freelancing there you can't do it here you have to do a bunch of things together here so yeah you have to make peace with a lot of things um, there are difficult days um, but you know like any other profession uh, choosing your passion over you know over anything else is is going to be is going to be exacting on your on your mental health also but um, yeah the better the faster you find a balance between what you could have been or what you think mm-hmm. you could have been and what you are is a, you know the better it is right right and absolutely and as you wrote you know very beautifully in that like your partner reminded that i can afford myself a pat on the back for being a self made man in a city that's like all, mumbai that's all you can afford right right, <laughs> right. i mean but it's still you know it's uh, of course you've reached yeah. so high like on your own 
at this, uh, you know, like you reach that stature of like being one of the best writers. So yeah, it's a great thing. So, okay. All right, uh, we spoke about a lot today. So we'll be back soon with uh, a new range of topics. So thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, and thanks for having me.